This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone, on this wet and miserable day. <laughs> you can't say it any other way. Claudette, did you hear the rain last night? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> and normally I'm a light sleeper, but I didn't. Oh, well, good. good. Right? That means you slept well. Yeah. Uh, although, I remember getting up early in the morning. I slept well up until 4 o'clock in the morning. And then when I went outside... It was really warm, like unse- like unseasonably warm. It was that's weird, wasn't it? You yeah. opened the door and it was like walking what? into a sauna. Yeah, that's what I, th- I thought that was a little bit unusual. Yeah, the air was actually heavy. Yeah, yeah it like was. pushing you down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, woke up a couple times last night. One time, I remember, it was around five-ish maybe, and you heard the, I heard this noise, just like a roar. And I was like you know what that's the rain looked out and it was just like a river going down the road and then uh, same thing just then in the newsroom we were all just you know looking out and saying oh it looks like the rain is over now and then we carried on with our work and all of a sudden down and we look up and we go omg yeah yeah, wicked. And we're not on the southern shore, so I can just imagine. No, indeed. <laughs> and uh, some places really got inundated. I think St. Lawrence on the Buren Peninsula, one of them. And Labrador, too, got hit yeah. hard by a lot of this heavy yeah, rain. With the rainfall warning in effect <clears throat> uh, in Farmer Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as I clear my throat, so sorry, uh, Environment Canada uh, meteorologist David Neal <laughs> Uh, who I think we've heard from every single day this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have him on the line again today. Well, David, this is becoming a regular feature. Yeah, this has been uh, quite a week, you know, looking at uh, how uh, how Franklin was going to behave as it came up. And then uh, we have this uh, we have this other storm that's uh, moving off uh, off the coast of Labrador there now. And uh, that's that's really been the real really the headache the last uh, last day or so and given some pretty good rainfall to uh, parts of the province. Right. So this is this evolved a little bit differently than what you were anticipating yesterday. Uh, Where are some of the hot spots, so to speak? Uh, well, as it stands right now, uh, we're still uh, maintaining uh, a few uh, scattered rainfall warnings uh, throughout uh, parts of Newfoundland and Labrador. So uh, still rainfall warnings for uh, the southern Avalon Peninsula and Buren Peninsula. Uh, we added in the St. John's and Vicinity Group, but that's mainly for the southern shore area. Uh, and then uh, basically we also have a couple of rainfall warnings still in effect for portions of Labrador, kind of the Cartwright region and Cartwright Junction and the parts of the Trans-Labrador Highway there just just to the west uh, of those areas. So basically what we've seen so far, uh, we've seen a quite, quite a few, a number of, uh, of pretty uh, pretty good rainfall amounts uh, since this morning. Uh, St. Lawrence right now is up to 83 millimeters. Uh, Cartwright isn't too far behind, sitting at 82 millimeters. Uh, so uh, looking at some, uh, still looking at some uh, good uh, good rainfall uh, really throughout uh, throughout the day today uh, since uh, since yesterday. Any reports of uh, damage or washouts as a result? 
Uh, I haven't really seen anything come across uh, uh, yet in terms of uh, in terms of washouts and uh, uh, that sort of thing as of right now. But uh, certainly that uh, that situation could continue to evolve. We're still seeing uh, some pretty good uh, good rainfall uh, over the Avalon Peninsula. That's right about now. That seems to be where the bulk of the uh, of the rain is confined. It's really over the Avalon Peninsula. The Buren Peninsula is kind of tapered to just some a few late showers right now. Uh, and then of course in in Labrador, still seeing some pretty good uh pr- pretty healthy amounts there in in parts of southeastern labrador still we'll expect that to uh to move off uh a little bit into the early evening hours uh and then uh, things should uh, obviously start to ease off as we get through the evening but uh, certainly uh not quite done uh, as of yet yeah, and these bands are, are some of them are pretty intense. I know here in the newsroom just a, a short while ago we heard a roar, and when we all looked up, you know, where moments ago it had only been you know sort of a light rain, uh, all of a sudden it was pouring. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing uh, uh, we are seeing a, a little bit of uh, of uh, that kind of sort of tropical moisture, that very very. Uh, those are very moist air mass. So certainly um, when you get that, uh, you can get those areas where uh, it does come down in sheets uh, at times. So uh, still expect that to kind of go off and on again. It won't be like that necessarily like that persistently, but uh, certainly off and on can expect uh, uh, some pretty heavy rainfall over the next few hours. So it will move out of most areas by then? Yeah, by looking by uh, by this evening, so kind of gra- we kind of gradually move out, and I'm talking more about the, not only the Avalon Peninsula but also southeastern Labrador. It's kind of around the same time that those two uh, two areas will start to see some improvement. Really looking at another few hours yet, where you're going to see that rain kind of at, heavy at times. Uh, but then uh, by uh, a little bit more into the uh, into the evening, uh, we should see uh, that to kind of taper pretty quickly to light rain, and then eventually we'll uh, we'll end as we get into the mid evening hours. So this was, uh, you know, you're expecting it. We weren't really expecting it. We were looking more at Franklin, but we weren't expecting this system to come in from the southwest. Um, what can we expect now over the long Labor Day weekend? Uh, well, luckily, once uh, once this storm goes through, Franklin is still expected to uh, move off uh, well south of the island. So uh, once this area moves out now, we actually are looking at a, a pretty decent uh, long weekend, actually, looking at uh, uh, really not much to be seen in the way of precipitation through most of the weekend, at least for the island. Uh, Labrador, there is some indication you might see just some uh, some showery conditions throughout the long weekend, but uh, certainly for the island, uh, looking at uh, really not uh, not too, too bad, and even uh, temperature-wise, starting to see uh, even uh, temperatures uh, possibly getting back up again into uh, certainly into the low 20s, but possibly even into the, the mid-20s for uh, a few areas of the island. So, um, looks like a you know a pretty pretty good uh, long weekend overall for the most part. And looking ahead to back to school too early. Uh, perhaps a little too a little too early that, but kind of looking at uh, some of the the longer range stuff we get after Labor Day weekend. Uh, do have a, a little a little system that'll come through Labrador mainly, uh, ma- mainly kind of Monday through the day and into more into Monday night uh, for for the for Newfoundland. Not really looking at too much there, just a, a few showers uh, with that. But overall, um, in terms of going back to school, uh, doesn't look like. Uh, too, too too bad of a day at least uh, 
at least as of right now. Obviously, we'll keep our eye on that. But uh, um, other than a few a few spotty showers, should be uh, should be okay for back to school. So enjoy the long holiday weekend is what you're trying to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> David Neal, I really appreciate this. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me. So, Claudette, a nice long holiday weekend. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Although I I find, though, that sometimes the winds can be still a little bit tricky. I mean, I'm glad that we're not going to see Franklin, but I'm still not holding my breath. I, I depend on winds. If I want to go for a nice kayak ride, <laughs> I oh. want to make sure. You, I, I find that the long weekends are usually like, I don't know, a jinx. So I was going to say, what's she got against wind? Yep. Uh, I understand completely. Yeah. So you want it to be... A little bit calm. Really calm, because I'm not one of those that will go out in anything. Like, I want it to be glass. So it's yeah. a little bit of a wish If you're list. kayaking, you want it pretty much. Yeah, yeah, because the adventure for me is not so much, you know, in the row, but it's like looking down and seeing what you can for see sure. in the ocean. For sure. Uh, you don't find that a little bit intimidating? No, no, not at all. I find it calming, relaxing, and then you're just hugging the shoreline and you're seeing all of nature. It's... You know, I, I believe that we're living up to our tourism ads when, when you're out on the water because you can see just about everything. I have a hilarious kayaking, sea kayaking story, me and Carrie Hodder. No way. I'll share it with you someday. <laughs> Let's just say we couldn't get back on our own steam. Anyway. <laughs> It just was a reminder of just how weak and pathetic we both were. <laughs> oh, well, I was anyway. I was the uh, ballast, I think, in the kayak. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm intrigued now. <laughs> anyway, I'll share that with you one of these days. Uh, well, when we come back, there's a growing demand for critical minerals. Is Newfoundland and Labrador ready? This is News Talk on VOCM. Join Greg Smith weeknights at 545 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune into Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM. The global mining industry expected to grow over the next decade as the demand for critical minerals increases. Critical minerals such as uh, copper, graphite, lithium, cobalt, nickel, as well as rare earth elements are all required in most modern and the growing green technology fields. Well, the Atlantic Economic Council says critical minerals present a huge opportunity for Atlantic Canada, especially Newfoundland and Labrador door, but is the region ready to make the most of it? Senior researcher with the Atlantic Economic Council, Patrick Brennan, joins me now. Hello, Patrick Brennan. Hello. So um, the APEC has put out this report on uh, critical minerals. We've been hearing about a lot about critical minerals lately, and I know the provincial government here in Newfoundland and Labrador has been touting the potential that's here. But uh, your report indicates that while there is plenty of opportunity, there are still some, some pretty big challenges. What's the crux of your report? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's uh, a bit of a call to action, and we have to move a little more, a little bit more quickly to, to leverage some of these opportunities in critical minerals. Um, you know, each of the provinces are uh, are working towards uh, critical mineral strategies. Uh, that's great, uh, but this is moving very fast, and global the global need for uh, some of these critical minerals in uh, you know various aspects of, of the clean energy, then the path to net zero. Uh, there's lots of needs of copper for transmission wires. 
phosphorus and, and, and copper for solar panels and lithium and cobalt and nickel for uh, electric car batteries and battery storage. So there's all this, all this need, this rapid need to uh, you know, transition to a net zero uh, environment, but some of the minerals that uh, are needed for these technologies are in short supply. So uh, someone somewhere has to uh, start producing uh, these minerals. And the other piece to this is that uh, Canada and several other Western countries are trying to move away from China as a source of a lot of this, a lot of these minerals. So they do dominate. China does dominate uh, the supply and the production of a lot of these uh, minerals. So uh, it's kind of a twofold opportunity for uh, Atlantic Canada to play a role in supplying some of these minerals to, uh, you know, to, to the rest of the world. So what's the potential here in Newfoundland and Labrador? And are we, you know, meeting the, the, the full, um, I, I, are, are we able to meet demand? Well, it, it, certainly Newfoundland and Labrador could play a role. Um, you know, there's lots of, of iron ore, of, of nickel and copper and, and cobalt that's already, that we're aware of. There's smaller mines that are looking at uh, antimony and, and uh, fluorospar and uh and uh, rare earth minerals that are in various stages of development. So there's there's lots of projects out there, and uh, the province is supporting uh, you know some of these uh, companies to, to help them move their exploration ahead. Uh, it will take some time, but we're, we need to make sure that we understand what's actually out there. So even more exploration is needed uh, to just really identify all the resources that are available, and then the next step is. Uh, helping companies move forward to the you know the construction of of mines on site, uh, but as you mentioned at the start, it's there are lots of lots of challenges. Um, uh, you know, in, in Newfoundland and Labrador, there is a, a definitely a, a greater opportunity. There's more of an appetite for mining uh, projects in the province compared to uh, some of the other provinces. It's your Newfoundland and Labrador is very highly rated in terms of um, you know. Comp- uh, jurisdictions that are open to mining uh ranked fourth in the world as an attractive jurisdiction um but yes lots of lots of challenges including the regulations that are uh, out there to make sure that the environmental protections are in place we have emission reductions plans over the next little while carbon pricing and all that that needs to be thought about we have to make sure that we're working with indigenous and community partners to make sure that they play a role and they're they're consulted throughout the process so all that has to be considered when moving forward these projects and what are some of the challenges i mean uh, are are some of the big players uh, pursuing these critical minerals or are we looking at smaller companies as well well, there are certainly large companies like uh, Iron Ore Company of Canada, Valley, that are very active in Labrador already. They've been around for a long time, and they are uh, seeing a great opportunity. Uh, they're already selling uh, their product to uh, some of the clean tech companies. Uh, Valley's uh, selling its nickel to Tesla. Uh, Iron Ore Company of Canada is selling its uh, um, iron ore to a company in, in Sweden, I believe it is. And, uh, you know, the iron ore in Newfoundland and Labrador tends to be lower emitting in terms of its uh, and, and, um, the availability and, and, and the uh, amount of emitting that emissions that come from it is much lower. So uh, that is an opportunity, and that's why it's an attractive growth opportunity in the, in the province. But, yeah, there's a lot of smaller uh, junior mining companies that are, are, are looking at uh, projects around the, the region um, and there there are some financial supports that are going towards that some of the federal government programs uh, the government uh, taxation and, and uh, the programs that are out there now are starting to push some of these projects forward which is great 
um, helping to de-risk some of the, the investment. But we still have to, you know, identify the resources. We have to keep pushing these projects forward uh, while, of course, ensuring that they're uh, following the guidelines of, uh, you know, the, the, um, the regulations that are in place around uh, their economic or the environmental impact. So what's the region's um, critical minerals potential, I suppose? Well, we've you know identified a lot of projects that are in various stages of development. Uh, you know, I think we've identified about six billion dollars of potential uh, investment. A lot of that is in, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, many of these projects, you know, some of the projects like Boise's Bay Underground Mine are already you know nearing completion. Uh, IOC is looking at a lot of expansion in in Labrador, and then there's other iron ore companies in Labrador that are looking to develop projects. There's a few projects on the island of, of Newfoundland that are also uh, being examined, but there's a lot out there that we don't know about because we haven't explored uh, specifically for some of these minerals because the the need for them, the demand for them wasn't as strong as it's going to be over the next uh, several years. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're just pushing that, to, you know, we try to get out there, understand the resource a little bit more, um, and uh, maybe perhaps uh, upgrade programs to, to encourage more exploration and, and research in, in mineral development. Um, and and, and the, the, the companies really do need to, uh, you know, look at there's other pieces to the supply chain as well that, that companies can examine. So it's not just uh, exploring and extracting the resource. There's lots of uh, uh, companies out there that are looking to expand their supply chains uh, uh, automotive companies and renewable and energy companies, technology manufacturers that are looking for more raw materials for uh, these uh, technologies that will support us on the path to net zero. So there's lots of uh, lots of new opportunities that are emerging, and Newfoundland and Labrador is, is pretty well positioned to uh, to take advantage of some of those. But we have to, you know, push forward on some things, including uh, supporting the industry. And uh, another thing is the labor force strategy to make sure that we have the people in place to, to support that growth so it does go ahead. So lots of things to think about. Our report's just trying to uh, make sure we understand, uh, you know, what uh, what critical minerals you know, really are and, uh, you know, what, uh, what the opportunities are for the region. Patrick Brannan, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks. Uh, so that's Patrick Brannan, a senior researcher with the Atlantic Economic Council, which just put out this uh, report on um, the opportunities presented by critical minerals in Atlantic Canada and Newfoundland and Labrador at the forefront there. Uh, he's talking about uh, the creation of a labor force strategy. And that's one of the questions, I suppose, that was raised yesterday when the provincial government announced the uh, four companies who had been successful in their applications for Crown Lands to develop hydrogen and uh, wind development um, in certain areas of the province and that was one of the questions that was raised are we going to have enough people on the ready trained ready to go to help build and create these um, these wind farms and these hydrogen facilities so uh, it's uh, it's an important issue and if we've all been seeing and hearing about the labor crunch in not only Newfoundland and Labrador right across country uh, and you know all around the Western world, really. In many sectors, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can see it with your own eyes. You may go into your favorite business and you see that they've reduced their hours. 
Well, why, you ask? Well, because they don't have enough people to keep it going for uh, the full length of the day or whatever I've the case may be. I've seen that so often. As have I. Really, really odd. Or you'll see the drive-through of a, of a restaurant open, but not the restaurant itself. Or, you know, I've seen that over the last little while yeah, as well. Yeah, and you kind of got to just go upon it and discover yourself and not go by whatever's posted online because it rarely matches the reality. No, no, I, <laughs> you know, you, you sort of have to take that trip and yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Or make a phone call. <laughs> True. Do some of the old-fashioned methods. Because like you say, if you're checking out, uh, you know, stuff that's online, it's not always accurate. No. It'll say open now, and you're like, okay. Or or it's not even there. It, or it no longer exists or yeah. never existed in the first place. Uh, and we've seen some of that going on lately, too. Uh, but, yeah, so a lot of uh, things to discuss there um, um, when it comes to um, um, critical minerals. Um, development in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, you know, some of these critical minerals, they exist. They're out there. They just haven't been, um, there hasn't been much exploration or development in that realm because there hasn't been that great a demand. But the demand is going to increase in the coming years. And this is what Atlantic, the Atlantic Economic Council is talking about. Well, coming up, uh, re- responding to some questions surrounding the province's push towards wind and hydrogen development. This is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And Claudette, you mentioned that um, uh, accident on the Veterans Memorial and you mentioned how, you know, the water tends to accumulate in the ruts on the road. Well, um, it, it struck me as you were saying that Sorry about that. It, it struck me as you were saying that uh, over the summer, my uh, brother-in-law was down with his family from Ontario. He has been living away for quite some time and um, comes home every now and again, but not that frequently. And uh, he remarked, he said, boy, you know, uh, I don't understand what's up with the ruts on the road. Uh, that's kind of dangerous. Uh, and of course, I kind of laughed at it because... It's, it's usual. It's normal for us. It's normal here. If you yeah. try to cross the road in your car, your car is going boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, because you're going through all of these ruts as you're crossing the traffic into, you know, go into a business life, for instance, here on Camat Road is one example. And uh, I know that the provincial government, from time to time, this comes up. I mean, it's dangerous. I remember driving in Ontario, as a matter of fact, a few years ago, and there was torrential rain. And uh, we were driving along the highway, and I was like, and it was wicking off the road. I was like, oh, is that what it's supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) It was it was coming off the road as quickly mm-hmm. as it was, you know, hitting the road. Uh, whatever makeup of the pavement there was or the whatever way the road was engineered or whatever the case may be. And you've got six lanes of traffic, eight lanes of traffic, and it's all coming off the road. Uh, and for some reason, it, we have these ruts here. I don't know if it's the composition of the asphalt or if it's something in the design of the road. They were doing that testing, if you recall, out on the Trans-Canada Highway a few years ago with different mixes. Uh, some were saying it was the, our use of... Um, uh, studded tires, but of course they use studded tires in Ontario as well. We need toll bridges. So, what? <laughs> oh, don't say that, Claudette. Oh my, and you the never went there. You never went there, did you? <laughs> I don't know. If we were forced to pay for it, can you imagine the amazing roads we would have? Smooth as a baby's bottom, I'd say. They make them out of concrete, I think. <laughs> like, you know, it's like. It's, 
I, I've never driven one of those toll roads, but uh, that's what I'm told. Of course, the toll roads are always empty. Yeah, because you <laughs> right? try to avoid them. You can use your GPS to avoid them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you never went there. there. But the, uh, what is it about About our province and our... In the roads. Roads, yeah. Because I don't know. Maybe it's the amount of money that's allotted to the department. Really, it could be something like that. It could be something like that. But, I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but you tend to drive... On those humps, you know, like you try to I make sure that the ruts are, are are somewhere other than where your tires yes, are. Yes, yes, and, and usually I'm doing something the opposite of the vehicle ahead of me. They're going, they're trying to straddle it one way. I'm straddling it the other. But it looks like you don't know what you're at, but you're really trying uh, to just get away from those ruts. Yeah, and from time to time, then all of a sudden it pulls you in. It's yeah. almost like a cocoon. You're, you know, it's almost like being put into a, a railway track. Mm-hmm. You know, just that's shoo, a good example, right? Um, anyway, there you have it. Uh, but uh, you know, I was a little bit amused when the brother-in-law was like that is that's unsafe I don't understand why it's like that you know <laughs> well yeah uh, my my dad went to uh, Alberta uh, just a, a couple of months the first thing out of his mouth was you would not believe the roads I mean how smooth they were compared to how they are here I'd love to know why interesting uh, well, hopefully we'll get some answers on that. Uh, the provincial government yesterday named four companies whose applications for development of crown land for hydrogen and wind protection were accepted. Well, it's not a green light per se. It does allow the four companies to continue through the lengthy approval process before development. Energy Minister Andrew Parsons spoke with VOCM Open Line host Patty Daly this morning and answered a few questions that uh, Patty had on his mind. Here's some of that, their chat. Curiously, the Deputy Prime Minister, Christopher Freeland, in Argentia, talking about them being out in front of the whole game and pattern energy in the relationship with the Port of Argentia, and lo and behold, pattern doesn't move forward. Is there a reason why? Is it because they weren't interested in Crown Land in Phase 1? Yeah, so basically what I would say as it relates to pattern, and I'm, I'm trying my best, like we will be going through a debrief process with all uh, the bidders in the second phase. Pattern, the best thing I can say is that pattern uh, absolutely has a path forward. Their first phase does not rely on crown land as the others do. So the others have to go through a crown land assessment. They do not have to go through that. So they're absolutely able to move forward as we move into the second and third phases, the big issue, and same with some others too, has been the power uh, requirements. Uh, but look, they have a path forward. Uh, we'll see where it goes. As for the federal government on Monday, I mean, look, the deputy pri- prime minister wants to come down. Uh, good for them. I don't think it's ever a bad thing to have exposure, uh, but not anything that we had anything to do with whatsoever. I know that this doesn't constitute a green light for either of these four companies to fully proceed and start construction or what have you, but let's talk about the pro. So we went from an enormous number of companies that has been whittled down to four now and there's some 107,000 hectares of land to be used if indeed these all four move forward. But the reference is that the independent review. Who are the independent reviewers? So what we did, and again, we went through, this was you know months at this. You think that the, the call for bids ended March 23rd. We make the announcement on August 30th. So what you have is you have representation from my department, IET, uh, Finance, uh, Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation, Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro, and we had a bunch of third-party analysts. So we had a financial and business analyst, a technical advisor, a 
project management and risk management analyst, as well as a fairness advisor to come in who basically oversees the entire process and at the end of the day gives an assessment of whether the process was fair or not. Um, what I can tell you is I've got the letter from that group right here who you know, basically attests that, yes, everything was done in accordance with the call for bids, uh, that it was fair, it maintained you know, uh, confidentiality requirements or conflicts of interest, and everybody was treated consistently and openly. So that's uh, the different people that were into this. Like, I can honestly say that it was basically handled by civil servants, bureaucrats, outside consultants, and at the end of the day, they do a scoring that they bring to us and say, here's what we come up with. Now, the you know the decision always rests with any cabinet and any government in the country, uh, but we have something here that was put in front of us that we, we thought was the right move, and that's what we move forward with. And I used 107,000 hectares. That's just for one of the four. The others is 30,000, 270,000, and uh, about 108,000 for one of the other projects. Okay, so... When the information was released, I mean, the, just for World Energy GH2, for instance, it's almost 4,000 pages. So much of that was way over my head. But mm -hmm. the thought is that there's a real fast track. It feels like we're moving pretty quickly here, even though this has been happening for a number of months. But the public has given up to the 11th of October to offer feedback. That was a 50-day window. People think that there's maybe more public hearings need to be had. You know, something created like a joint panel like for Muskrat Falls and that type of inquiry. Getting this right has long been the mantra here, but it feels too many that this is moving very quickly. So why not more public consultation and more time for people to have their say? And maybe to even be able to fund interveners who are experts in different fields. So a couple things there. One thing I will say is that no matter what we do, I mean, at the same time that you have some individuals saying it's moving too quickly, we have an opposition that says you're not moving fast enough. We have others to say that you're, you have to keep up with Nova Scotia, who, by the way, made their decisions in two weeks. Nova Scotia is ahead of the game here because they took a process where there was no uh, independent assessment. They basically had people put their assessment in. They took it within cabinet, made the decision. They're moving forward. And here we are over here just to make sure that everything was seen as open and transparent. We put it through this process. So all those need to be taken into context. I think we're moving at the right speed, which is keeping up with demand, but at the same time acknowledging we have a new industry that needs to that needs to be assessed. And, and we do have significant questions about the setup and what it looks like in the future. What I'll say is this. We have an EA process that is tried and tested. It's been used in our you know, various resource projects, including mining. That one is there. Now, World Energy, and again, a lot of people talk about the one project, the, but we have four that are moving forward. But World took the, the gamble, I guess you could say, of saying, we are so confident that we are going to go ahead with this EA without the approval. Fairly risky, but again, that the risk was borne by them. One thing I pointed this out yesterday when we talk about the joint panel, we talk about Muskrat Falls, there's a very big difference between Muskrat where we expended billions of dollars of taxpayer money and this one where this is all being done by private capital. So there, there is a, a far different financial risk. But I'm confident that right now, look, we've done our thing about proving the bidders. It's going to go into an EA slash process, which is used for every other development. Everybody's going to get an opportunity to put their, uh, put their concerns forward and, and have them weighed by an independent regulator. And then I'm, I'm confident it's going to come, what comes out on the other end will work. One example recently, Marathon. They were slowed down in the construction of their mine 
because there were caribou mitigation issues. So that was identified, look, this is an issue. The department brought it up. They figured out how do we uh, mitigate the situation, and then they move forward. Same thing could happen here, but I leave that to the process, which I don't have a part in. We do not participate. So Andrew Parsons saying there will be a public consultation um, element to the environmental assessment process once these uh, projects get to that stage in the ongoing process. Now, uh, Claudette, you heard from someone uh, who has a uh, traffic slowdown to tell us about? Yes, here we go. Hi, I'm calling about an accident that uh, just occurred, it seems on the Outer Ring Road uh, before Thorburn Road going west. Uh, white car, number of people inside. They seem to be getting out. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's going to be a traffic jam right there. Uh, so just letting people know that that's happening. So that's on the Outer Ring Road, a motorist reporting that they saw an accident uh, just west of Thorburn, just before Thorburn Road going west. And uh, also the weather is causing a little bit of a, a, a change of plans for the Royal Canadian Legion Branch 1. Uh, they wanted us to mention that their drive-in bingo is cancelled, but their sit-in bingo is still going ahead. Very good. Uh, uh, Claudette, thanks for that. Be careful out there, folks. Uh, keep your speeds down, and you uh, may encounter hydroplaning, especially when that uh, rain is uh, coming down hard. Anywhere where the uh, roads happen to be wet, just uh, be aware of that. Well, coming up, the new school year, fast approaching. We spoke with Trent Langdon earlier this week about some uh, opportunities and challenges. We'll hear more coming up right after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VO. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And Claudette, I understand that uh, we've heard from another listener who uh, about that accident on the Outer Ring Road. Yes. Uh, hi there. Just got passed by an ambulance on the Outer Ring Road, just past the Thorburn Road exit. And traffic is completely bottlenecked almost. I uh, just want to pass this on to your viewers. I know others probably called in already, but uh, if you can find an alternate route, uh, traffic is crawling on pretty slow here. Um, just an FYI. Thank you. Have a great day. And, of course, what happens when uh, we get uh, accidents like that on the Outer Ring Road is that a lot of traffic will divert then onto Kenmount and Thorburn. And, and then those are areas are going to have backups. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, expect slowdowns uh, throughout that general region, um, especially during the uh, evening commute. Take your time, be patient, uh, and uh, be aware that uh, of that accident there. Uh, is it uh, westbound? They said it was uh, just past Thorburn westbound is is what the two callers said. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, so just be aware of that. Well, the summer vacation period winding down and the new school year is right around the corner. I spoke with NLTA President Trent Langdon earlier this week. Here's more of that conversation. So we have this uh, change in the structure of uh, the NLESD and, uh, and yep. um, you know, all of that moving into the, the department. Are you noticing any differences there or, or do you have any concerns about, you know, how you bring uh, immediate needs forward? 
Right, yeah, and I, you know, I'll certainly give credit where credit is due. I always have in, in that uh, we are being kept uh, up to speed on what's going on with it. Uh, uh, to date, uh, there's been nothing that we're, we've been made aware of that's going to impact uh, the daily runnings of a school. And that was kind of the selling point for us in, this, in the beginning because we said um, as an association how any changes to a system that's going to impact the, the daily runnings uh, negatively should, should not even be considered. Uh, so we've been uh, reassured and guaranteed that there will be no impacts felt on the ground. Um, from what we're hearing and, and been informed of, it's it's uh, it's middle and, and upper management type thing changes and, and moves, uh, uh, physical moves to different parts of, of uh, office space and so on. That's ultimately going to be the case. And and in the end, uh, as we've always said, is any any savings that come from it, and we've been guaranteed this as well, should remain in education. Uh, any financial savings as well, there should not be a download of any extra work on administrators or teachers. That if these changes were being made operationally. Up, uh, up above the school level, that uh, the changes be felt there and uh, no extra pressure on the system. So what's the general mood uh, of your membership now heading into the new school year? Uh, anticipation. People are always uh, uh, eager in many ways to, to get back. Uh, it's 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 kind of that is that and even myself. I've been out of the school now for the last couple of years, and I'll have a couple more years before I'm back. But uh, it's that time of year where you you kind of started off with a Christmas reference. There, uh, it's it's very much like that. It's it's almost like New Year's in many ways. It's a start. It's fresh. Uh, you can press the reset button for some students who may have struggled last year. So I'd pass out that level of encouragement to to students. Uh, it's excitement for those other students who seem to have things rolling well um, but families uh, on the other side of it too families are feeling the pressure of just the cost of, of trying to get their, their children prepared um, and uh, trying to keep up with the expectations of their children and because you know the, the kids want to be having the same brands and the same uh, materials that their friends have and uh, at the cost associated so it's it's worrisome from that end so it's always mixed emotions going back and, and getting back on a schedule is, is probably the, one of the bigger challenges as well. What's your hope for the year? My hope for this year is nothing more than uh, getting all positions filled. I'd like nothing more. Uh, let's get our, our schools operating at maximum capacity, meaning uh, supports for every student are in place, um, that we see a long-term investment. Uh, and when I say investment, I don't necessarily mean simply monetary investment on the part of government. I mean an investment in a long-term strategy. An example I'll use, Linda, is uh, we need to do more in this province of, of really – encouraging young people at the high school level to go into education as a, as a field of study. Uh, it's very uh, rewarding. I, I don't regret my move whatsoever. Uh, it led me to want to then be, go on and become a guidance counselor and so on. So there's opportunities uh, up and above. Um, you know, if you, if you want to stay a classroom teacher, great. But if you want to branch out, you know, you can certainly do, do, do those things too. If you want to continue moving on and become a principal and, and work your way up through education, that's, that's doable. Uh, very rewarding profession. And uh, I, I do think as a society and as a province we need to do better uh, to uh, uh, to dig in there and to and to encourage young people to 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 enter into education the other piece is we need to support our younger teachers uh, so uh, making sure that the, the positions are, are lucrative enough for them such that they can stay and that they, it's a long-term investment in in the education system never too late to become a teacher 
<laughs> Never too late to become a teacher. We we often have people reach out to us who may have certain qualifications and saying, look, do we qualify? Some people, uh, we need to inform them through the support of the districts uh, to say you might need a bit more course study. Uh, sometimes it's people moving in from other countries. So if there's other people from other countries that, that are out there with their teaching licenses that are looking at um, teaching here, you know, please reach out to us. We'll do what we can. The districts as well, obviously, your first line. Uh, but if we can help in any way in getting things approved, if you need other types of, of information, uh, uh, I'd like nothing more than to see some some new newcomers come into our teaching ranks. We've seen it. We've seen a couple examples of that already, and it's been a great asset, not just to the teaching force, but to the children uh, that are coming in from these uh, other countries to see uh, uh, some of their own uh, teachers coming with them into their classes. So, uh, as a, as a society, I think we need to move forward. Uh, another uh, huge hope for me is that uh, we continue to support our students as we need uh, as it as it comes uh, to mental health services and our schools, uh, making sure that they have the services they need that may not be present elsewhere uh, through the help of a guidance counselor and educational psychologist, getting those numbers down, supporting our 2S LGBTQ AI plus students, making sure that they know that they're safe in our buildings. Uh, as, a, as an association, we've done uh, some good work in supporting our, our members who are in that community, and we want to continue to support them to know that schools are a safe place for all. And that's a little bit more of our conversation with Trent Langdon from uh, earlier in the week. As the uh, summer season starts to wind down, Labor Day weekend starts, I guess, officially tomorrow. Uh, so you can expect to see a lot more traffic on the road as people head out to their favorite spots to enjoy a bit of that last long little bit of summer yeah clinging on to weekend it of summer yeah it's clinging back to the books clinging with your fingernails <laughs> your white knuckles yeah <laughs> i remember when one of my name one of my nephews i think it was about six weeks ago he was like oh my gosh there's only you know six weeks left before i gotta go back to school summer's almost over <laughs> I'm like, six what? weeks god love them. <laughs> i mean they they just don't like the thought of like or they get into august and then they start panicking thinking yeah. oh my god i gotta go back to school I, you know all these years after school you want uh, to still feel it oh the anxiety that that, oh, that this is it i gotta i gotta buckle down well no i gotta squeeze every last minute of freedom <laughs> out of the coming hours right you can look at it a different way like i've listened to certain podcasts before and talking about how it's the second new year if you want to look at it like that hey, that's what trent Langdon and that's, just said that's what yeah. he just said as well yeah, yeah. that it, you look at it as a, a chance to like almost like another do-over or start to get your fall goals in in gear so it's almost like a, a, a layer of excitement to it yeah. depending on your interests and where you are in life <laughs> i i'm interested to hear how many people really look forward to fall really love the fall oh, I, it's one of my favorite seasons is that yeah, right it rivals summer for me wow yeah i always found fall with eh. Because depressing. the leaves start going up, but yeah. uh, but they're so beautiful too, just before they fall. So, and it's the crisp in the air, and then you start getting. It's probably commercialism, but you you start thinking of s'mores, hot chocolate, dare I say, pumpkin spice. You start wanting <laughs> comfort food like macaroni and cheese. You get into the beet bottling. Like there's just so much to now, enjoy. That the, the the whole harvesting thing. Yes, I, harvest. I can totally get into. Um, I used to bottle beets um, when I was a kid with mom. Yeah. Um, and um, 
but uh, I can't grow a beet to save my life now. I don't know what it is. I cannot grow a beet. Well, good thing for you. You live in Newfoundland and Labrador where you just have to drive up on a bay highway and get your fill. Jump and look over your shoulder. You'll see a bottle of beets. Yes, so true. <laughs> or in the middle of your table on a Sunday. Yes, that's exactly. Oh, that's exactly where they belong, too. Mm-hmm. I love Me too. Loves a bit of beets with my <laughs> cooked dinner. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're a fall lover. Okay, great. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. No, a lot of people are. And and there's something about the change in the seasons. There's some places in this world don't see a great deal of change in the seasons. Yes. Might be a wet season, might be a dry season, something mm-hmm. like that. But they don't get that all of them. feeling of anticipation with spring and winter mm-hmm. and fall and all the rest of it. And summer and looking forward to summer. Yeah. Because I'm one of those. And, and now we say goodbye. <laughs> and now we're done. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Claudette. Thank uh, be careful out there, uh, folks. Still quite a bit of ro- uh, water on the roads. We've seen a there was a crash out by uh, Monty's on the Trans-Canada earlier today. A couple of people sent to hospital there. And uh, we have this crash now on the Outer Ring Road, uh, westbound, uh, just before the Thorburn exit. So watch out for that. If you can avoid the area, please do. But be aware that you're going to see a bit extra uh, traffic congestion in and around the uh, capital city as a result of that and other situations, no doubt. Take your time, be patient, you'll get where you need to go. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great evening.